and you'd like to turn to the second letter, the second epistle, just another fancy term for letter, 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5, 6, and 7. And so we're going to teach tonight on faith forward, and we went over all these things that you add to your faith. And then we, we're going to sum it up tonight. What does it all mean? Why do you need to do it? Why are having all these Bible studies? Why does God want us to add all this stuff to our faith? I just thought we were supposed to get saved and then I'm just a Christian, that's it, sit in the corner. That's not what God said. Faith forward for life. So 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5, 6, and 7. Peter, writing by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, tells us, And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. And to virtue, knowledge. And to knowledge, temperance and to temperance patience and to patience godliness and to godliness brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness charity the agape love of God and so tonight we want to deal with faith forward we've gone over each of these qualities in previous Bible studies, and they're all online if you want to check them out. But tonight, we want to kind of sum up the whole scripture and why God wants us to grow. And so, uh, first of all, growing is important. This husband said, my wife said that I'm really immature and I need to grow up. So I told her, woman, with that negative attitude, you can just get out of my pillow fort. <laughs> Well, God wants us to grow. And gro growth is something that God has a desire for in each one of our lives. And we don't grow by osmosis. You don't grow by having a Bible in the back of your car. You have to grow intentionally in the Christian life. So this philosophy professor stood before his class and he had some items in front of him. And when the class began, he picked up, without saying a word, he just picked up a large jar and he set it in front of the class. And then he began to put it with rocks. He took these two-inch rocks and began to fill the jar with two-inch rocks. So, you know, like good, good baseball-sized stones. He then asked the students, he filled it all the way up to the top, right? He asked the students if they agreed the jar was full. So all the students looked at the jar is full. Then he got some pebbles. She knows where I'm going with this. And he poured the pebbles into the jar. Now, of course, the pebbles, they go around the big rocks, right? And they filled up the jar. And so after he filled it up with pebbles and they had gone into all the little loose spaces, he asked the class, is the jar full? And all the class looked at the jar. Yes. So then he gets some sand and he takes some sand and he begins to pour the sand. Now the sand is very small, so it fills in all the tiny little spots between the big rocks and the pebbles. And he fills it all the way up to the top. And he asks the students, is the jar full? And the students say, yes. And he teaches a lesson. Now, now, really, this is a good lesson. He said, I want you to recognize this is your life. The rocks are the important things. That's God. That's your family. That's your health. That's your children. 
things that if everything else was lost and only they remained, your life would still be full. And then he said, the pebbles are like the other things. They matter too, but not as much like your job, your house, your car. (laughs) The sand is the small stuff, right? If you put the sand into the jar first, that little stuff, nothing else will fit. Pebbles won't fit. And there's people that fill their lives with sand. Man, there's people that build their life on sand. Jesus talked about that. Uh Uh-uh. Okay. But the same goes for your life. If you spend all your time and energy on the small stuff, you have no room for the important stuff. Now, all of you here, I'm preaching to the choir. You're here. This is one of the rocks, okay? He's the rock of my salvation. David knew what he was talking about. God is our rock, our fortress, our deliverer, okay? And uh, he said, pay attention to the things that are critical to your happiness. Play with your children. Take time to get medical checkups. There will always be time for work, cleaning the house, having a dinner party, and fixing the disposal. What's that? Okay, if you don't know, that's okay. Right. So the students started nodding in agreement at the professor's profound wisdom. But then, a student walked up to the front, took the jar, which everyone had perceived was full, lifted up a large cup of Starbucks and poured it into the jar. I know that's waste, I know. And then another student got up, came to the front, had another cup of Starbucks and poured it. And of course, it all ran in between the sand and the pebbles and the rocks and was absorbed into the jar. And so the two students held up their two cups of Starbucks and one of the students says do you know what the moral of this story is no matter how full your life is there is always room for one or two Starbucks (laughs) preacher what is that it's a joke okay but anyway so so let's look at faith forward for life now it's interesting the Bible's now want to look at three things faith forward, and fruit. Three things, okay? The first thing is faith. So Simon Peter, the Bible says in chapter one of his epistle, he said, a servant, a slave. You know, really, that's how we start. When you give your life to Jesus, uh, when Mary said, Gabriel said, hey, you're going to have a baby, but you're not going to have relationship with a man. You're just going to have a baby to fulfill the prophecy that a virgin shall be with child. And she said, behold, the handmaid of the Lord. What does that mean? If you translate it from the Greek, it's slave. She's like, I comp- now a slave completely belongs to somebody else. And that's what Peter said. I'm a servant. I'm a slave. And he said, and an apostle of Jesus Christ. If you want to get, uh, give your life to Jesus, if you, if, if, and having faith in Jesus, uh, the Bible said, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth, Notice this, not Jesus, but if you read in Romans chapter 10 and verse 9 and 10, it said, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord. What is a Lord? 
I thought it was someone from like, you know, like, you know, medieval England that had the serfs around them. Not surfboards, but those were people that served them, right? And they would work the land. No, a lord is an absolute ruler. I understand that in America we have a lot of freedoms and I thank God for them. This is the best country in the world. People are running the border to come to this country, okay? They're not even asking. They're just coming on in, right? And, uh... But a Lord, that is how you start your faith in Christ. And if, 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 if something hasn't clicked, that is where you say, God, I give up everything. You know, I, I remember hearing an account of an American Indian chief, and he was at a gospel presentation years ago. So, uh, and so he heard the preacher preach, and he told his wives to go up and give themselves to the Lord. And then he came back the next night and uh, he heard the preacher preach and God was dealing with his heart. So he had his saddle. Now his saddle was representative of his authority. He had his saddle for his horse taken up and placed on the altar. But he came back the next night and it was told to him, God doesn't want your wives. God doesn't want your saddle. God wants you. You know, that's exactly the way Paul said, we seek not yours but you, that God wants us. And so when we come to the Lord, we come and we start our faith by saying, and say, this is explaining what faith is. It's saying, Jesus, I give you my everything. God, you, I belong to you. Someone, uh, I was talking about Jesus years ago and they said, oh, a church boy. And I said, yes. I mean, you know what? Whose boy are you? I belong to Jesus. Okay, and I want, when Jesus comes, I want him to have no problem recognizing me. Okay, now he's looking down, our hairs are numbered, which isn't going to help from looking down because I don't have any hair. But, but Jesus is looking down from above, right, in love, and God will be able to identify us. And I want God, you ever seen those cop cars that have these numbers painted so the helicopters can see the number of the cop car? Well, I want Jesus to see me and my life for him by Faith. I belong to Jesus. So that's how our faith starts. And he says, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us. And it is precious. It's like one man said, of all the things I uh, have lost, I miss my mind the most, right? Sometimes it feels like that, but I don't want to give up my faith. I'm not going to give up my faith in Jesus Christ. And then he said, if you skip down a few verses in verse 3, he said, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him, that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great, I like that, and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature. You know, some people say, well, everyone's a sinner. That's not what this says. It said that I am a joint heir with Christ. I am a partaker of his nature. Mm. That's what the Bible says. Man, when you start to read the Bible, what everyone else says sounds like craziness, right? The Bible is the Bible. I'd rather trust what God says than what somebody else says. Amen? In the end, that's all that's going to matter. Okay. 
having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust or desire. Lust isn't necessarily wrong, okay? I've lusted after donuts. I've lusted after fried chicken. I mean, why do they pipe the smell of Burger King out of... They do that on purpose, and it's evil. Because you smell that Burger King when you go by like, why? We were coming to church. I'm eating an apple, okay? And I smell someone's grill, and I'm like, oh, do you smell that? Do you smell that? And conversation stops. I claw the windows when we go by Popeye's because even if I can't smell it, I know what it smells like. I mean, it's awesome, right? That's what lust is. Lust is a desire, okay? It doesn't necessarily mean something evil, something wrong. But do you know that the the devil really, uh, it wasn't the devil that we had a problem with before we gave our life to Jesus. Our problem was us. The devil can try to sell you something, but if you ain't buying, you ain't buying. That's right, so I'm not really from the South, and I, I wanted to try some chitlins. I had an opportunity to try chitlins once and, and, and didn't. And so uh, Sister Nikita made me some and brought me some, and she goes, I just brought you a little bit. I made some, and they went and sat in my fridge for till I threw them out. Okay. So, <laughs> why didn't you eat them? I just, <laughs> Look. Here's my, my point. If the devil offers you some chitlins and you don't want chitlins, you're not going to be tempted, okay? Now, if her husband sends home a donut with me or some chocolate cake or something like that, gone, okay? Why? Lust. The desire, okay? So here's the problem. We needed faith to escape from ourselves, not just the devil. It was the snare of the devil. He wouldn't be able to devour us if we didn't want what he was selling. Amen? So, uh, faith, first of all, faith is like a key. Faith is like a key. So, what do you do with the key? You know, it's interesting. We were at a church conference and someone, uh, the pastor of the church conference said, you know, some preachers, they they get frustrated and they want to turn in their key to the church building. And, uh, And the the pastor leading the conference said, uh, that's not what keys are for. You're not supposed to turn in your key. You know, some people get frustrated in their walk with God. I'm just going to turn in my faith. Brethren, don't turn in your key, okay? That's not what keys are for. And he said, let me explain to you how keys work. Actually, I had this in there, so. You put the key in the lock, turn it, and the door opens that's how you use a key faith is a key and our faith in jesus christ is what opens the door to all the blessings of jesus christ in second uh peter he says add to your what faith there's no work that can impress god it's only your faith in what he has done on the cross but we add to that faith but we got to have faith first to add to so faith is like a key it's a key to go in you know some of those are crazy you ever go stay at a hotel and they give you a card keys come in all kinds of shapes forms and fashions right and that card that you're supposed to put it down and then bring it up put it down bring it up and the light's supposed to go from red to green to let you in man and you're holding all your luggage and everything and come on come on i mean we have done it to where we could not get in a door remember the one that was led to the outside we had to walk all the way around dragging all our stuff right But keys grant you access. Romans chapter 
5 and verse 2. By whom? Okay, let me read chapter 5 and verse 1. Romans chapter 5 and verse 1. Therefore, being justified by faith. There it is, faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. By whom also we have access. That's the key. By what? Faith. That's what gets you your access. Well, I keep the Ten Commandments. Great, you're still going to hell unless you have gotten forgiveness by the blood that he shed on the cross and our faith in that work that Jesus did. But if you do have that faith and you have gotten forgiveness of sins, you have access by faith into what? There's grace. I like that. Say, you know, I've been to Graceland. That's Elvis's house in Memphis. And I think the man had carpet on his ceiling. It was a bad decade. It was like the 70s, okay? But that's not the Graceland where I want to stand, okay? The, how would you, would you vacuum it? I guess if, I guess if you were um, Lionel, if you were Lionel Richie, you might have to because you're dancing on the ceiling, right? Maybe he would be listening to Lionel Richie in Graceland. I don't know. But you stand in the favor of God when you live by faith. That is a Christian life. And, and uh, the Bible says, and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. You know that when God does things, talking about exceeding great and precious promises, that's how you can measure God. It's just, just exceeding great. Not great, not exceeding, but I think words fail to really explain the God that has named and said he telleth all the stars of heaven. How many stars are there? Billions and billions and billions. How many galaxies? They don't even know. And he calleth them by their names. Did you know that the Bible says that? Oh, but the star registry said that one of them was named after me. No, they sold you that. God already named that star. Okay, God already, God already called that before we were born. Okay, and the Bible says in Genesis 15 and 1, notice, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. Say, what's your reward? Not a dollar bill. Jesus. Jesus is my reward. And you know what Abram said? He said, and he believed in the Lord. He realized that faith was what he needed in God. And it said, the Lord counted it unto him for righteousness. When the wise men saw that star, it said they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And so in Peter, it comes to these exceeding great and precious promises. What is faith? It's taking advantage first of the exceeding great and precious promises by trusting in Jesus. And a key is also to leave somewhere. You know, when we go to a hotel room, we want to get out of the hallway. We want to get out of outside. You know, you're trying to access the hotel and it don't work. It never did. We had to walk around to the front door. There was something wrong with that card reader, okay? And then sometimes there's something wrong with the key holder. Sometimes I couldn't do it. I think my wife or my daughter did it. It made me feel really stupid, right? It's like, man, I thought I could at least manipulate. All you have to do is insert it and then pull it out, and it goes green, and I could not do it. And my daughter's like, ching, green, great. (laughs) But it's a key is not only to access somewhere. A key is to leave where you are, to get out of the hallway, to get out of the rain, and it's to escape the corruption that is in the world through 
lust. You see, when Jesus gets us in, we get out of the dark. You know, that's one of the things. When we all go home, we're going to get in out of the dark. The Bible says that God delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Well, the Bible said God is light and in him, there's no darkness. Man, that's when you come into... I remember when I gave, I told my wife, and I, I won't probably share it tonight, try not to share it, but man, when I got saved, I was in the military, and I had things in my room that ought not have been there, but I was living in the darkness until I gave my life to Jesus. When I went home, I cleaned my barracks room. Didn't tell the preacher, didn't ask the preacher. I think I told him like 20 years later, just because I was embarrassed, right? It's like, don't want people to think less of you. Look, God shined the light in my heart and everywhere I went it was like a spotlight and I was like oh that doesn't match with God that doesn't match with God and the light is what you get brought into by faith and if that hasn't happened you haven't come to Jesus because when Jesus comes in it says if we walk in the light as he is in the light we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanseth us from all sin we need that light of God Amen. If you ever gone to a hospital and the lights are off, no man. If you go to a, if you get an operation, they got these like, you think you're like in a prison, right? You got strobe lights everywhere, and and they're like magnifying glasses. You ever been to the dentist and you like see that magnifying mirror with the light around it, and you see all your like imperfections on your skin? But God is like that surgeon when we come into our life, and He doesn't mean to, to hurt us. The Holy Ghost shines that on us to say, hey. You can fix that and it'll be better. You can take that out and be better. Let me take this away from you and give you some peace in your life. That's what God does when we come to Him by faith. So if you want to come, uh, uh, you know, say preacher, but I, I come to God and I, sometimes I feel uncomfortable. Me too. I, I come to the house of God because God wants to do something in my life. And that's the next step. But uh, the Bible says we get the key of faith and is on to the second step is new desires. See, we've escaped from the old desires. God gives us new ones. Instead of saying, God, I'm going to do it my way. Say, wait a second. I want to do it God's way. I'm going to do it God's way. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. And then it said, old things, they're passed away. Behold, 75% of things are become new. That's not what it says, is it? All things, right? Are become new. And then it says in the next scripture, in verse 18, all things are of God. He hath redeemed us and given us this ministry of reconciliation. So the next thing, when we get saved, God gives us a desire to go forward. And then if, if you want to look back at all these things, add to your faith virtue and add, say, what's that excellence? And then when you realize, man, God's doing something in every part of my life, then you add knowledge to your life. What? The word of God. I'm not talking about just adding, you know, you know, trivia and different things, although that's fine too. And then after you do that, you learn the word of God. Then you add temperance. What's that? Dirty word. It's self-control, right? <sighs> Say, preacher, do you have donuts? Yes, but I try to have one, not like 12, right? Temperance, right? And then after you do that, you realize this is hard. It's hard to be temperate, right? Then you add patience. And you know what? You realize... God needs patience with us. We need to give others a break, right? 
Everyone's growing. We all we need a break, right? Patience with ourselves, patience with others. You don't know what someone else is facing, okay? And then after that patience, we add godliness. You put all these things together. And then after you work on yourself, you don't stop. Then you add brotherly kindness. You begin to show the world the love of people who you uh, uh, are your brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers. And then you add to that brotherly kindness. You take it out your door and out of where your, your circle of friends is. And you show that love to everybody. And that's that forward attitude that God... And, and you know, I, I, wrote, I wrote here, do not fail to fail. When you go forward, you're going to fail. And, but don't fail to fail. So preacher, are you telling me to fail? No, I'm telling you that God says grow. But when you grow, you're going to fail. You're, you're going to make a mistake. You're going you're to have an accident. You know, have you ever seen a kid who's potty training? Oh, they did it perfectly. No. Kids have accidents at night and they do different things, but they're growing. Yes. Give them a break, right? Yes. And we're growing as Christians. Say, well, preacher, but if I tried to read my whole Bible and I failed, then you would have read half of it. Praise God. Right. Which is more than a lot of people have read. Uh, Thomas Edison said famously when he was building a better light bulb, he said, I haven't failed 10,000 times. I have not failed once. He said, I have succeeded in proving that those 10,000 ways will not work. When I have eliminated the ways that will not work, I will find the way that will work. You know, that's the way we should have an attitude. Wait, it's not a failure. I'm growing. I just realized that that way won't work. Kicking my wife out of my pillow for it won't work, right? (laughs) But, you know, if you fail... And you know what? No, it feels no good to fail, okay? It feels no good. I'm going to, I'm going to read my Bible every day and then you miss a day. And oh, I'm a failure. Look, don't hang on to a failure too long. You have anything in your fridge that's old, you check it, and you're like, whoa, 1989. You know, so, don't hang on to something in your life that's past its expiration date. You know, you like, like, wow, I wanted to read my Bible today and I didn't. Well, okay. The Bible says his mercies are new every morning. Why hang on to some failure past its expiration date in your life? It's like, well, I I messed up when? When I was 12. Okay, throw it out, man. (laughs) Really, give yourself a break. Don't hang on to a failure. We're focusing on going forward. Didn't Paul say, he said, reaching forward, forth to those things which where? are before in your car you've got rear view mirrors and you've got your front windshield which one's bigger your front windshield now the rear view mirrors are important to get some perspective but they're much smaller right and but there's a message where you're going is more important than where you've been go forward so but i'm gonna fail well here's another thing someone said this but i like it don't put a period where god put a comma said, preacher, but I had a bump in the road. Man, this is nothing. You know, there's bumps in the road in Africa. And when I used to live in Zambia, they would tear your car up. You go around those bumps. You don't go down into those bumps because you might stay down in those bumps. Okay, but there's bumps. We all face bumps in the road. Go through a bump, said preacher, but that was a bump. Yeah, but it's a comma. Keep going. Read, Read some of these biographies. They're not perfect people, okay? But they just... Some of them just didn't quit. And they grew. They repented. And someone said, well, David sinned. Yeah, but David knew how to repent. 
Okay, if you can sin like David, can you repent like David and end up going? He just he crossed through the finish line on fire. Okay, David was a man who was after God's heart. Right. So go forward, uh, uh, and and try your faith out. You know what? I, I watch this show. They bring in all these collectibles. Oh, it's perfect condition. You never opened Star Wars figures. I got some Star Wars figures. Opened, nod the hands off. You know, as a five year old, anyone be selling. You know, they, they sell adult toys. I'm not talking about that kind of toys, okay? But they do. They're called, like, you know, for Matchbox cars or Hot Wheels, but they're adult collectibles. And they're more expensive. And you're not supposed to open them. Like, are you kidding? I want to play with it. You know, most kids, you give it to them, they'll have the trash on the floor in the church. <laughs> like my daughter handed me the trash, and they got their toy. Ought not our faith be like that? Let's not make our faith a collectible. Don't just like, oh, I got saved and here's my certificate. No, open it up and use it. Remember when Elisha wanted, he was the next prophet and he, he, Elijah said, what do you want? I'll pray for you. He said, I want twice as much as what you got. And that's like a little kid's heart, right? Whatever you got, I want twice as much of the spirit of God. So he said, okay, if you see me when I get taken up, it'll be. If not, it won't be. So he was taken up in the whirlwind and the chariots of fire came by and the whirlwind took up Elijah into heaven. He's still alive. So the mantle, his priestly garment, like his cloak, fell to the ground. And Elisha, the next prophet, is standing there. And so he's like, okay, well, there's God's promise. What do I do? I just hope that it works out. No, he grabbed that mantle in 2 Kings chapter 2 and verse uh, 14. He took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and smote the waters. Whap! And he said, where is the Lord God of Elijah? He was saying, my faith is going forward. And the waters began to part. Moses wasn't even there. But the God of Moses was there. And you know what? That's what we need. We need to take our faith forward. And uh, I got one more thing. I got like no seconds. Okay. So... The last thing is fruit. Now, fruit is not our goal. Fruit is the natural outcome of a healthy plant, a healthy tree. You don't have to say, well, preacher, I want fruit in my life. If you pursue God like this of having your faith grow and add to your faith, the fruit is natural. It says here, for if these things in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 8, for if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you do these things, it says, they make you, that ye shall neither be. You know, if, you're, if you are a certain way, God's more concerned with who we are than what we do. This is not to get something from God. This is to be who God wants you to be. So preacher, but I want this and I want that. It comes naturally. When you've got God working in your life. Yeah. Uh, let me just leave you with this, because I ran out of time, which, which, which happens, right? So Psalms chapter 1, you probably all heard this, but this is exactly what Peter is talking about. The Bible's one book. And it says, Blessed is a man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. So there's things that he does not do, right? But his delight, his desire... His lust, right? His desires is in the law of the Lord. In his law, doth he meditate day and night. So he's just growing in God. He's desiring God. And notice what happens. And he shall be like a tree 
planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth what? Fruit. It just comes out. It just happens. The devil can't stop it. Why? Because the nourishment comes from where we can't see. It comes from God. And it says, His leaf shall also not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall what? Prosper. They found that out with Joseph in prison. Whatever he did, he just prospered. What was he just good? Did he study at Harvard? No, God was with him. God manipulated those things. And God wants us to just continue to do what God wants us to do and do what God wants you to do. Look, God will bring everything else to pass. Commit your ways unto the Lord. Your thoughts will even be established. And so when those lepers uh, came to Jesus, there were 10 of them, and they said, have mercy on us in the, in the book of Luke. He said, go show yourself to the priests. It says, came to pass as they went. I like that. They were cleansed. You know, as you continue to grow, God will change you. Yes. Now, nine of them were changed on the outside. One of them came back because he had a change, which is what God can do, right? On the inside. He was thankful and he took that extra step. They were probably all thankful. But he came back and he said, Lord, thank you. And he worshiped Jesus. And you know what? God wants us to have this lifestyle of growing, refining our character in him. When does it stop? It never does. I get saved, I want to get baptized in water. I get baptized in water, I want to get the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Or, you know, I get saved, get the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Get baptized in water. Learn what soul winning is. Be part of the church. Be a Sunday school teacher. Play an instrument. See if God wants me to go to Bible school. Keep growing. It's just what we do. And never stop. Never stop. Let's, let's dismiss. I owe you three minutes and 41 seconds. So. Okay. Uh, Brother Miller, would you dismiss us in prayer? God bless you is our prayer. Amen. See you Thursday.